Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm uh, Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we've just come back from A Quiet Place, which is a film uh, directed by John Krasinski, who is probably best known for uh, being one of, I think, Jim, is it, in the uh, American office. Yes. And also being well known for being married to Emily Blunt, who That's right. co-stars in this. Um, so yeah, he, he, he wrote, he co-wrote the screenplay and directed the film. I didn't know he was a film director, but he's done a couple of things before this. Yes, he has, which I've not seen. So this um, is my first exposure to him as a filmmaker. Yeah, same. Um, and I was looking forward to this a lot from the trailer. So the, the premise is uh, there is something out there that detects noise and will kill you if you make noise. That's right. And that's it. I mean, what we were saying the other day about 127 hours and Unsane, the idea of experimental cinema insofar as... Or, or, or well, I suppose concept cinema really is what, is what we're thinking about. The idea of let's just get, run with an idea and see if we can build a film out of this. Yeah. In those films, it's not entirely successful, but in this works so fucking brilliantly. I think collectively they do, actually. So we were talking about Manny Ferber's idea of, of termite art, yeah, of like B-movies, you know, that that are steady, they, they offer what they say they will, and they also kind of permit a kind of experimentation with the genre and also a place where certain things can be said that are, you, that is, are more difficult to say elsewhere. And this is a classic example of that. Mm. Uh, you know, it was thrilling to be in a cinema where you could hear a pin drop. You know? Well, you could after a while. This is, it annoyed me a little bit. So, Well, I'll, uh, I'll just quickly do a kind of spoiler-free version of the plot. So uh, you start off with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are two parents. Uh, they've got a couple of kids, and they're kind of just making their way through a, a sort of post-attack America, a, attack being from these monsters. Um, it's You know, you're a year into, a year and change into your kind of post-apocalyptic life mm. and the entire your entire way of life is based around making no noise if you can possibly help it so you kind of you, you see their way of life and you see the things that they've done uh, to make life easier for themselves such as painting on the floor where uh, floorboards won't creak so mm. they can step there things like this um, but the, the the threat is is kind of constant and I suppose the central animating or inciting uh, incident of the film is Emily Blunt is pregnant and she's got less than a month before she's going to uh, give birth and so that's obviously a big deal and how yes. are they going to cope with that? Yeah, how can you give so, birth without screening? Right. Uh, Absolutely. I just want to make it clear that at this point there are spoilers ahead and, we, and I don't want you to see this film having had it spoiled. So if you're going to go and see it, you absolutely must go and see it now before you keep on listening. Right. Got it? Good point. The short thing is, go and see it. Yeah. I really think you should go and see it. And it's only 90 minutes long, so even if you hate it, it's only 90 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I found, I, found it, I, I found it riveting, actually. Um, and uh, um, so the, the, the film is very economical about setting up the world that it does, right? So you have like this pristine, classically American rural landscape of silos and so on. Um, but they're all deserted, yeah. So it's there's been some kind of a cop apocalypse or something, and then kind of you get these shots of this family and they're all barefoot, you know, and they're all using sign language and they're all kind of very worried about the noise that they make. And it's almost like in the first three minutes you find, you know, the the world is made for you actually. Yeah. 
Uh, so, and by the time the titles come on, you know, you understand almost everything. There is one rule to this world that we only get a bit later, and that is that a higher frequency sound masks all the other sounds, so that, you know, if you are by a waterfall, say, you can actually talk, right? Oh, well, that's, that's, there's two separate things. So there's loud sounds mask quieter sounds. Mm. So if, you, if there's something louder going on, like a waterfall, then mm. you're, you're safer to make uh, uh, slightly louder noises yourself. But the, the higher pitch thing is you're thinking of what makes the aliens go crazy. Yes. Um, that's, that's not, a, I mean, that's, that's really a revelation as to like, how they can fight. Yeah, that's things. not a rule. Yeah, that's that's like something we discover later on. Yeah. Um, and which ends up being the plot twist, actually. Uh, you know, so from that point where that's discovered, then, you know, we begin to see how um, an end to this terror of this creature that looks like, you know, one of the monsters in Alien, but actually whose vulnerability, well, whose, whose, the, the whole way it's made up is in relation to sound. So it's vulnerable to particular frequencies. On the other hand, it also attacks on the basis of, of sound. Um, the actual a, design of the creature, I think, is amazing. It's, it's some of the best creature design I've seen in a long time. Uh -huh. um, its realisation is fantastic as well. The, the graphical work that's gone into uh, realising it is great. But ju just the central idea that this is a creature built around sound. It's, you, you see a board kind of with the, the basic notes that John Krasinski's character has been able to take on the creature. Mm. He knows there's only three of them in the area, which is quite interesting. You know, they're not overrun by these things, but they're always around. And it's a very specific threat. Mm. Um, and he knows that they're blind and they attack based on sound. Mm. And the creature's head is a whole giant ear. Yeah. Almost. It has all these flaps, and they aim in certain directions when it hears something, like a cat's ears, you know? But there's like 20 of these things. It's incredibly threatening. And as they open up, the, the creature's skin is, is quite dark. But then as they open up, it's, it's fleshier underneath. And you, you get these flashes of red coming from it. It's really threatening. Mm. It's a brilliant, brilliant creature design, I think. Mm. It's, it's so sort of... Uh, so clear and concise and it's all about that central threat it, it, it possesses mm. so uh, what do you take to be the main themes of the film uh, well family I suppose that there's a lot of um, there's quite a lot of the family splitting up in certain directions and coming back and are they going to be reunited and also you've got a baby coming into the world as well and how are they going to protect that and cope with that mm. um, there's an idea of uh like a kind of Trump's America thing with, or not so much Trump's America as just kind of modern Western society in that if you kind of get involved, you are attacked immediately and viciously. I read that. That was, that was my reading of it as well. Really? Yes. You know, that as soon as you speak out, you get attacked, mm. right? And the only way that you can speak out is if it's burrowed under other noise, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but you know. like you're or forced into hiding, really, if you yeah. just want to survive. That's right. Yeah. So I, I did have that reading actually. Um, so, and I, I don't know how far you can take uh, the metaphor. I mean, I think that it is centrally about uh, family and about you know parenting and about teaching children how to survive in a very alien and hostile world mm. you know in which kind of the late the slightest sound could get you killed yeah yeah uh, uh so the, you know the slightest evidence of your presence you know overheard mm. is you know what kills you uh and we have a graphic very graphic demonstration of that right in the pre-created sequence of the film uh, which really sets up then the rest of the narrative. Um, yes, the, the youngest child, their very youngest, uh, who must be five or six years old, 
wants this toy. They're, they're looking for supplies, and he, he takes this toy, and his dad goes, no, 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 it's battery-operated, it makes noise, you can't have it. Mm. But he takes it, and he makes noise, and he's killed. Yes. He's t- so it, it establishes the threat, really. Yes. I mean, it's a li- it, you could say it's sort of a little bit cheap, like the kid is just there to die, but then that is how the threat is established. You see a family member get lost to this. But there's more to it than that. Actually, it establishes several threats, so I don't think it's cheap. You know, it establishes the whole relationship with the sister and the guilt that the sister feels and the mm. fact that she feels unloved and, you know... Uh, she blames um, herself. Yes, yeah. and also, like, this theme that maybe actually, you know, uh, being being giving people what they want or being kind and generous is not always a good thing. That, the, you know, the more important thing is to is to teach people how to survive in an alien world, right? Like, you know, kind yeah, of, no. I think there are all those themes that, uh, that are set up by that example. And I think actually it's, it's, it's one of the great things about the film that, you know, uh, a, a film that looks, uh, um, you know, it is kind of a genre film. It doesn't look very expensive, uh, yet nonetheless has all these ideas worked out. So you mentioned the monster. I also just like the whole world, you know, that the landscape, that rural landscape with the cornfields, and the silos and you know and it has like this wonderful kind of wonderful shots like you know there's a crane up where you see John Krasinski's back kind of you know overlooking this environment that is at once both you know so beautiful and also so deadly mm. right uh, I love that right kind of um, so and 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 then what it does with the silence I mean I was saying earlier that you could hear a pin drop and you said not immediately and it's true that it took a while for the audience to sit down, and then actually some people were eating popcorn. It was a very full audience, yes. uh, very, very full, and I was looking at people taking popcorn and I was thinking, this is not the film for this, my friend. The clue's in the title, Quiet yes. Place. And, and, and early on, it was annoying me. There was someone particularly sitting right next to you a couple of seats down yes. who was just making the worst noise. There were, there were um, several couples clearly on a date. But, um, it, but it settled down pretty quickly. I mean, by the halfway point, it was dead quiet. And I think it's a, really it's a testament to the quality of the film because I think if people were bored by it, they would have kept on chewing away and making noise. They put the popcorn aside at some point. They, they did, hadn't yeah. finished it. I think know, a lot so. of unfinished popcorn came out of that cinema. People yeah. still got the bags with them now. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, that's testament to the quality of the film yeah, it's really it's, really gripping it's, it's a testament to the filmmaking it's just it's just so tense kind of you know there were moments where I you know I kind of I was jumping out of my seat really and it's quite extraordinary because it is a film it has music but used very sparingly mm. right and it has bits of dialogue but again used very sparingly it's largely a, a pretty silent film really well, I think uh, the, the music, I, I was listening to the score, I was paying attention to it early on, um, because it is it, it is kind of pretty spare when it's used. It's you know, kind of just light piano, maybe a bit of guitar. It's not rich, you know, mm. not really. Um, but it's the film doesn't want you on edge all the time, because it, it, a lot of the film is like that scene in Rafifi, right? that central scene where, where the... the, the doing the robbery yes and if you make an it's 20 minute amazing scene of pure silence with just and, and it means that every little sound effect is amplified and it's exactly the same way in this mm. that a single noise is really important um, but the film then kind of brings in the score and drops it out in such a way that you you know when you're supposed to be more you know the film could have no score and you would then be on edge pretty much all the time, and that would be exhausting. I think mm. the film understands that and gives you the score as a cue to kind of let up, you know? Because yes. otherwise you really don't know when someone's going to make a noise by accident and when mm. the threat's going to come. 
the the two uh, things that the film so 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 it's a film in which sound in general presents a threat, right? Uh, so of course, in a way, everything is threatening because your heartbeat could be a threat in the wrong place, for example. Um, but actually, it has two main things that it sets up. The nail, there's a nail on the staircase going down to the basement. Mm. Uh, and Emily Blunt is about to give birth. Yeah. Right. So those are the two things that it sets up in a way so that, you know, you're very tense about people going down the stairs and up the stairs. And, you know, kind of you're very tense about whether, you know, Emily Blunt will survive uh, uh, um, giving birth. Um, but, but, but the other things... Could, could also be used and take you by surprise. So uh, an object falling from a table, right, mm. could, yeah, presents a whole series of risks uh, or a show from a shelf or, yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I thought, I thought it was brilliant, really. The film gets, uh, the film, I could tell, got a really good reaction from the audience. You could hear, you know, but when, uh, well, one, one of the best bits is the, the daughter of the family is deaf and there's this whole subplot about the dad is trying to engineer a hearing aid for her that will help her hear. Because actually, when you think about it, being deaf is the worst possible thing. You don't know when you're making noise or not. Yes. Um, so it's incredibly like more threatening for her living in this world. Um, and there's a point in the film where she's, she's stood in a cornfield and a creature turns up behind her. And she's not making any noise at that point, mm. but the creature is kind of slightly getting clued in that she's there. Mm. And you could hear people in the audience, oh my God, like mm. pro- real noises. And I, you and I both had our hands over our mouths at mm. some point. And it was, it's, there, are, there are jump scares, which I think are totally legitimate and they, they, they work well. You know, just kind of something dropping from a ceiling or something mm. coming up at a window, whatever it might be. There's also, a, the, the film generates an unbelievable level of suspense. Mm. So for instance, with the nail, you, know, you don't, you, the film really milks that. You don't know who's going to step in it and when. And, it, and, it mm. really, and, then, when, and then when someone does... It's physical and and like I feel my hands sort of tensing yeah. up as I was going. Oh, there was there were really brilliant kind of moments. Of, like, I felt I was physically responding to the film, mm. and again, that's a, that's just a sign of it. It's really brilliant, sort of visceral understanding filmmaking. The film knows exactly it has. It, it's one of these you know sort of horror films that has a very simple idea and kind of understands exactly how to get inside you with it. It's, it's brilliant. Shall we talk a little bit about the performances? Because I love Emily Blunt, and I think she's so great in this, really. Yeah, she was. Um, she's kind of, you know, so warm and maternal and scared, and, you know, she runs through the gamut. And I suppose I want to underline it because it's, it's, it's a, a truly great performance in the kind of film, you know, that will never... Uh, uh, that a performance will never be singled out for. Yeah, you don't get recognised for a performance in a film like this, do you? But, That's right. But she is fantastic, especially when, especially when uh, kind of uh, plot events are engineered in such ways to leave her on her own while she's giving birth. So she doesn't have people around. She doesn't have the support of people and the, and the safety. So she's kind of resolute, but she's in pain and she's resisting the pain. Mm. She's resisting even giving birth because the, of the release of you know kind of screaming mm. and pain that will be and noise. Um, she's she's astonishing, and she there, there are points where her, there's just a close up on her face, and it's contorted and under stress and strain, and mm. and she gives herself to the film so yes. deeply. I I loved uh, the perform I loved her performance. Hers hers was the standout. 
I also love the daughter, who's an actress I don't know. I don't know her name. But she's got this kind of wonky, doe-eyed look, right? Um, you know, so, and also she's on that, she's on the verge. She's that age of rebellion and so on. And she registers kind of every emotion kind of very fluidly as well. It's kind of, you know, you understand exactly what she's feeling and kind of, and she goes through various changes in a way that is very legible, very understandable. So I loved her performance as well. The actress's name is Millicent Simmons and apparently she's actually deaf. Okay, she was fantastic. Uh, and the other person who I want to raise is John Krasinski himself, because, you know, on television, he seems kind of so goofy. And, you know, this time he comes across as like, you know, very uh, leading man. Yeah, he's, he's kind of very rugged and handsome and, mm. you know, and also very paternal. He's very good, I think. He is. He's, and he's, he's got a real kind of, you, you really feel this sort of survivalist, as you say, sort of paternal... Um, leader sort of thing going on where it's like he he understands exactly the situation that he's in he understands the responsibility that he has and um, yeah I also love the ending of the film I think it's a last shot that's going to be memed you know as soon as like as soon as the film reaches video or digital or whatever I I expect it'll be like memed constantly yeah it's it's sort of um it's interesting coming to the ending because the film is the film concerns a countrywide and possibly global. Actually, it is global. You see, you see, kind of names like Moscow and London being being on a board. So it's a global uh, takeover by these aliens, and everyone around the world has been subject to this. So the fi- and the film is about four people within that. Mm. So um, the film is not going to solve that really, uh, the worldwide problem, but. Uh, it ends up with this. Uh, it ends up with this. So instead of yeah, well, it's really, what the end of the film is instead of hiding, which is what they've spent their entire sort of year and a half doing, they learn that they can fight it, and you could almost imagine a sequel where they go on a rampage. Like, yes. you know what I mean. Like it turns right at the very, very end. You go, okay, we can start to fight this now. Yes. and um, and also at that point, the father uh, has been killed. He sacrificed himself. So the mother kind of takes on this extra role. She's a she's a mother, and she's also a new mother. Yes. And now she's got a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, so we find out that the way to defeat them is to turn on a high frequency and make it really loud. Yeah. So the daughter's uh, uh, hearing aid malfunctions, and it, it it throws the aliens into chaos. They can't cope with it. Yeah, that's right. So and then they amplify that sound, and then basically the last very last shot of the film is uh, uh, Emily Blunt kind of cocking her shotgun, right? So ready for the next one. <laughs> and again, and that got a big response from the audience as well. That got a kind of, like, yeah, yeah people in the audience. Chuckle. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> people liked it. Like, she, she, the, the, there's very little violence in the film, really. Like, any time violence is, is brought up, it tends to be uh, resolved another way or, or the characters sort of somehow get distracted from it or something else happens. So the violence never really happens... But then, right at the end, a gunshot mm. you know, uh, happens. She she blows the alien's head off, and it's a great release. And someone in the audience went, "Yeah, yeah." And everyone, <laughs> I must say, it's brilliantly economical filmmaking throughout, because actually you see very little of the aliens, and only at certain instances. Most of the time, you just you see this shuddering, you know, this quickening, this kind of shadow or scuttle. Yes, you know. Uh, so um, it's 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 only a couple of times, maybe three in the film, that you get the full-figured 
kind of alien to see. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, an amazing amount of tension is registered just by that shadowy scuttling, you know. Yeah, um, and, the, and the film finds lots and lots of places to interact with the aliens in different ways too. So you have, for instance, a scene underground where, uh, where Emily Blunt's about to give birth and she's on her own and it becomes this sort of... Remember that bit in Alien with the cat? Yes. It's a little bit like that, right? The sort yes. of in the dark, you're not yes. quite sure what's around it. And you, and you get a bit where, where there's some flooding and is she going to be able to get the baby safe in time because an alien just across the way? Yes. And, uh, and you get the bit in the silo where there's a more direct attack. Yes. Um, and, how, and how can they kind of protect themselves? So the film finds so many interesting ways of having them interact and not repeating itself. Yes. I also... in, in this very small environment. Yes. Um... I also want to mention that kind of, you know, there are interestingly uh, economical but really strikingly visual uh, little set pieces in which kind of danger unfolds, right? So, you know, um, there's, there, well, there's the bit in the waterfall where the father just explains about noise, right? They're fishing. Uh, then there's the bit in the silo where they sink into this grain silo, mm. right? Uh, uh, and I just thought, you know, that was like such a fantastic way of like presenting danger, right? Because, you know, they're actually like sinking into this grain, right? They find a way to rescue each other. And so basically all you need is a sheet of sheet of metal and kind of lots of wheat, right? Uh, you know, so, and it looks fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, and, and very cheaply done. And then, of course, the monster does come in there and, you know, kind of, uh, um, but they, you know, they managed to kind of expulse it. It's also very organic and convincing, like the world in which they live. So, so grain silos exist. Yes. You will sink into grain if you're kind of small and you're thrashing about, and it, it will do that. Yes. Um, it, like it, it builds on very simple threats, and it adds these kind of monsters into it as well, and that that amplifies everything. But actually, the world in which they're living presents its own kind of dangers just through through sort of carelessness or, mm. you know, the way things are built, maybe. I want, uh, do you think that the uh, dad died well? Um, no. I mean... Uh, it was an unnecessary sacrifice, I thought. He puts his axe down. I get the point. Actually, what I like about it is that he... It, it, um, it's an act of love. And it's something that you maybe don't see quite so much in, in horror films. It's a real kind of act of sacrifice and love because yeah. the, the monster's attacking a car with his kids in it. And so he makes a noise to to draw the creature away yes. and let them escape. Um, but he do, but he puts his axe down, and it's like it's this, it's a very knowing thing of like. And he says to the daughter, "I love you," which is that's an emotional moment between the two. Of she she's never felt that from him. Um, so it's this kind of it, it's but it's a it's an emotional beat that I think logic is sacrificed for because he could at least keep hold of the axe and give himself a chance. I thought more than that. I thought it was just a mistake narratively because. You know, there was a way of making that sacrifice, of letting us know that he's made that sacrifice, of letting his daughter know that that's what he's doing for her, and nonetheless getting him out of the jam. Mm. You know, she could have used her earpiece again. Yeah, they, they, there is, they, they, they could have found a way of, of allowing him to live. And I think it's a mistake that they didn't. It feels dissatisfying. Well, possibly, but she didn't know at that point, to be fair, that her earpiece was... I think she did. No, she didn't. She'd actually plugged it in by that point. Uh, properly, which had which had stopped the, the 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 whining. It was only later on that she realised that that's what it was. Mm. Well, I think the kid realised, her brother realises. Uh, at, at that point, I think it had that that. I mean, so I heard as soon as she plugs it in and the sound goes, 
And the whining stops. Some, again, someone in the audience was like, oh, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it got really good reactions. It's like a long time since I've, since I've seen a horror movie that's got such good reactions from an audience than this. Yes. Anyway, I do think a more imaginative script or whatever would have gotten him out. And I resented that, you know, he was sacrificed. Possibly. Also, I don't really believe that the mother could have given birth uh, and not uh, made a noise. spotted <laughs> I mean, because they, they, they do this thing where... Uh, what, one thing that the film is actually very good at, which I'm glad this has just reminded me of, is um, as it splits characters up, it has action happening in sort of two or three different locations that is independent, you know, like characters will be getting attacked in different ways in different places, but then also informs uh, sort of other parts. So so things happen kind of simultaneously in different places, but mm. everything's tied up really nicely. So you get the... Um, as, as the dad and his son are returning to the house, uh, the mother's about to give birth, the daughter's gone off somewhere else feeling bad. Um, the dad says to the son, okay, you need to go off and set off all these fireworks. That'll distract the, the mm. aliens. So then the, they get distracted by running off there, which saves the mum, and then he comes back, and then is he, he's walking through the house. Is she there or not? There's all this kind of simultaneous action going on where the, the film controls your level of knowledge mm. about each character's whereabouts and mm. situation very, very well. Mm. So that when characters, when, when they start to kind of collide again, when they come back together... You're not. You're exactly. You've got exactly the right level of knowledge to keep you in suspense as to what's you know mm. what's really happening. And you get you. The film shifts you your point of view very very effectively from one person's shoes to another. Mm. I think. Okay. It's, no, re- yeah, it's so really uh-huh. uh, strong direction in that respect. But I do think that I think that putting setting off fireworks you know, half a mile down the road is not going to distract you from the noise of a screaming woman giving birth. Yeah. Well, also, you know, that there's a bit of a trick in that she reappears, you know, behind the shower. And, like, I mean, there are little kind of plot gaps like that, but I didn't mind them yeah, at all, actually. Yeah, I didn't mind them. No. You know, and they weren't, you know, uh, you just accept it, really. But actually, I do think that killing the father for me did feel unnecessary. I mean, you know, you could have made the same point, gained the same emotional power, and so on, and allowed him to live. And I think actually it's kind of, to me it was important for the, you know, the emotional satisfaction of the film, you know, that he'd be allowed to live because in a way there are certain things you don't know, right? How, you know, how many people are left in the world alive, right? Like you get the sense that there are some, but, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of, um, I, 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 I think it's a mistake that they sacrificed him. Yeah, I like. I actually, think, we don't know that really. So well, there could be a sequel in which he re- he reappears. He won't though. I mean, the the thing went straight for his face, and he didn't have his axe. The thing killed him, my friend. We didn't see it. Well, you saw it jump right at his face at two hundred miles an hour. Oh, uh, we didn't see him hit him. We didn't see the touch. Yeah, you it. did. Oh, I don't. I don't remember that. The the the, the van's off on the right hand side, and the and they let the handbrake go, so it's rolling down the hill. So that's how the kids get away. And as they do that, the thing jumps off it and jumps at John Krasinski, who's at the f- uh, in front of the frame on the left-hand side, and it goes, <laughs> jumps at him. That's the last you see of him, and it's quite quick, but you do see it. Okay. You see the thing attack him. Mm. I don't think it's controversial to suggest that the man has perished. Um, it de- well, to me, it depends on kind of, you know, what you actually see. And actually, all I remember is the creature going towards him. I actually don't, I don't remember seeing the impact. 
Okay. You know, uh, which with other people, I think seen. you had your hands over your eyes because you're a big girl flower. <laughs> that, that is very possible. But actually, you, you in, do in, see. In, can... in other instances, you see like the blood gushing out. Not sure. You know, and in this one, you don't. So, but I think it also. I mean, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the, the same moment, would it, if you didn't think that Dad had died? Like that's the point of that scene. Whether you agree with him dying or not, that's the point of the scene. Well, the point of the scene is that he's willing to do it, and he's communicated it to his daughter. The fact that it actually happens is not the point of the scene. Mm, okay. But it has happened. Um, well, we, let's see. Let's but I, but I mean, I agree with you insofar as I think, I think if, if there were a further purpose to the dad dying, that it, that it kind of actuated something else, that it kind of made the rest of the family change in a certain way, that, you know, because I, I think it maybe is trying to do that with the mother, to give her this extra level of responsibility and turn her into kind of a badass by the end. Mm. But um, actually, I think that if the family remains intact... Uh, and all four of them together, well, five of them with the baby, you know, kind of figuring out that this is how you can fight these aliens and then all going off together. Yes. That would be just as effective as the ending as it is with the dad not not there. Yeah. I think the ending is brilliant, you know, uh, but, you know, I would have liked him to live. So there's an emotional response, I would have liked him to live, you know, uh, you know, partly because... The John Krasinski character is so nice and attractive and so on. And, <laughs> and so in this film, I'd like to see him do it again. Yeah. You know, and partly just economically for, you know, purposes of any sequels, I think it's a mistake not to have him live, you know. I think it's, I think we're, I think when I said, when I talked about the, a sequel, I was being flippant. I think it's very, very unlikely. I don't, uh, depends on how well it does at the box mm. office. I mean, well, well, I mean, possibly it could become like a Cloverfield thing where they have a universe where these aliens exist and you see different people within it, but... Uh, I think it's unlikely to see the same family again. I, I guess well, you never I know. Think, I think, you know, if they've killed off the father, it is unlikely that they'll have a sequel again. Hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure. But if, even if he lived, I think it would be unlikely. It's, it strikes me as this is a standalone type of horror. Um, I don't see... I, I actually don't see why it would be. Hmm. Right? Like, kind of, you know, there's a lot more aliens coming to the farm. Uh, that's how the film ends. With her cocking the gun, there's no reason why it can't continue into something else. Yeah. You know, so um, the world exists, the monster exists, and, you know, the, the family would have existed if they, had, if they haven't killed John Krasinski. Yeah. You know, but nonetheless, members of the family continue to exist, so I don't see why... I was say, people, I mean, it might be interesting uh, to see it go off in a Cloverfield way yeah. with, a, with a universe being shared by different stories, but, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly don't see the same family coming back, really. Okay, that's speculation anyway. Well, so, sure. Um, so, highly recommended, really suspenseful, quite original, uh, and with, like, you know, a dazzling performance, I think, from Emily Blunt, uh, uh, and uh, uh, a film in which John Krasinski makes quite an impression, uh, both as an actor and, and certainly as a director. Certainly as a director, yeah. Really, really good filmmaking. Last words? Got, I mean, got people in the audience to shut the fuck up. <laughs> he got people to shut up and respond then in the right ways and quite enthusiastically when it was kind of warranted yes you know he got people to put their fucking popcorn down yeah a film that could make you both that could make the audience go completely quiet and then cheer periodically you know and go from like silence to like cheering is really quite an extraordinary achievement it is it really is yeah. so go see it uh, that's eavesdropping at the movies. Uh, uh, we're on Twitter at eavesdrop movies. We're on Facebook, eavesdropping at the movies. iTunes, or SoundCloud. Just Google the thing. Whatever. Mm. Right. All right. 